and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way, helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. I'm Alex Simmons. Nope, he's Alex Simmons. <laughs> I'm Chris Ryan. And today we're going to talk about the elephant in the, in the nation, right? What happened Wednesday at the Capitol building? It's one of the reasons why the introduction is a little more sedate. And uh, Alex, this was unavoidable. Uh, everyone saw it. Uh, but uh, you are a unique mind. What were your reactions? <laughs> what were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, first off, I would, I would say, hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Um, Chris is right. We're going to talk about it, but we're also going to talk about it from um, from the, the the viewpoint of those who have to render this as a story, and it is a story. It is a reality that happened, but there are ways of looking at it that beg questions and need some clear thinking. And I think again, as writers, as creatives, how would one approach something like this? So part yeah, of what both journalistically and if, if if you're writing fiction. Yeah, if you're if we're, well, if you're writing fiction, but also actually, if you're writing actually about the event, there are questions. So we're going to look at that structure today. So you know, um, you're right, Chris. I mean, everybody saw, everybody who who has a, a computer or a TV set or a cell phone saw the actions of Wednesday, and um, it was a very emotional, an emotional event, and a very um, every every action I've seen. From Joe and Jane Average to to executives in 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 government had emotional reactions to what happened, and they talk about where we are, and some of them are asking even how did it happen, what happened. So if we're looking at this as how do we render this story as a, as, a, as a piece of fiction or otherwise, but let's say how do we render this story? What are the questions, and and how do we approach this if? Someone brought that manuscript to you, or that pitch. Right. Where well, does it start? if we were to if we were to say for the for the for the sake of this exercise, if someone were to bring the far as we saw it developing over the last whether you want to say the last four years, whether you want to say the last couple of months, whatever, even this week. Um, I would have these questions, but I originally came to these questions as a former journalist um, for the, my school's uh, journalism class, you know, to try and show them what follow-up stories should look like, you know, and that kind of thing. So um, here's what, if you brought me this manuscript, you being the general you, or if uh, you're saying, well, what else can we look at as far as journalistically this story, questions would be the same. And here they go. Um, who exactly denied the National Guard the right to come or the okay green light to come rescue them for hours? The delay was for hours. Now, the, uh, the argument they're going with now is that, well, they didn't want a repeat of the overkill that was last summer during the, the BLM and all that stuff. Even if that's so, and I don't really know if I believe that, um, they should have been staging close by. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, people do that all. The time. You know, you stage just in case. People stand around, and then they mobilize quickly. If they hadn't done that, right? And and if you looked at into the internet in the in the week or two beforehand, it was all over the internet we're coming it's our turn we're taking over this you know uh, um they won't steal it from us we're gonna have our say we're going you know all that sort of stuff everyone was challenged everyone was you know threatened um the the government spooks uh they watch that stuff all the time so i'm it's hard for me to believe that they didn't know that. So the question becomes, why didn't they act? Um, secondly, if even if they didn't act, once they saw the crowd that had amassed to listen to the current president, 
they should have begun mobilizing. Wow, that's a lot of people. Let's make sure we're ready just in case. And once he said, we're going to walk down and save our country and be strong, yeah, that's the that's the red flag. You got to be there, right? So, uh, and a uh, uh, B level of that is the the, the uh, Capitol Police or whatever you want to call them. Uh, there's 2,000 of them. There were only 500 on that uh, that day. So you call up and you say uh, the other 1,500, be nearby, be ready just in case. So, so one is we're looking at in a in a story. Real life or fiction, the questions that have to be answered is how would, what is the protocol? How would this yeah. have handled well, in the normal scenario? Right. And the if writer the normal has, scenario has written, did not apply, I'm just right. making sure I'm setting, the normal scenario is not applied, does not happen. Why? That right. becomes an absolute question. Okay. If the chapter as written, right, if we're going to play fictional, mm-hmm. is that the Capitol Police severely understaffed for what they were up against. Mm-hmm. As an editor, you say, why? Mm-hmm. You can't, if you just have it there, it sticks out as a story problem. Mm-hmm. And if you're a journalist, these are the questions you should still be asking. You know, it's follow-up stories. Who actually made that decision? Because ultimately, it goes back to Trump when it becomes National Guard. Because D.C. is federal, he's the commander-in-chief okay wait a minute he would have to call the national guard on his own supporters right Probably. well then, we, then we're looking at motives there but okay All yes right. yes and if that's the situation if you've written again back to fictional if you've written your uh antagonist to be in the power to weaken uh opposition to the uh, the stuff you set in motion, you are committing a level of villainy that you're going to have to pay off. Mm-hmm. And if if we're drawing these conclusions in our little pa- podcast, journalists should be saying, "Wait a second, we have to track this down." And if that is true, if it's true by any stretch of the imagination that ultimately it was the White House and the White House refused to call that sedition well that, that, that insurrection okay. and that's all that's all that should be the lead headline and off it goes you know so if so there's there's story there there's there there in both ways now let's move on go back we it's we seem to be more at ease if we talk about it in fictional terms so <laughs> the, right so the author writes this scenario where the insurrectionists seem very at ease walking into the Capitol. Okay. Pushing past the numbered police, rolling through. Why were they so at ease? Even the dumbest bank robber knows that the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. If we wrote this scenario as it played out, an editor would have to say, that wouldn't happen. Why do they have, why are they so relaxed? What do they know that we don't know as readers? Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you're a journalist, it's the same question. Why were they so relaxed? Um, why did some of them have zip ties? There's some, of, some of who? Some of the uh, insurrectionists, invaders, whatever you want to talk about, they had visible zip ties. You know, and I know, as fiction writers, zip ties have a limited usage in that situation. Yes, if so if we're not zip ties, now wiring yeah. together for right. behind our computer, yeah, there are yeah. limited uses. Okay. Right. Look at, look at uh, the BLM. And, and all those protests. Cops had the zip ties to arrest a ton of people. Well, these are the insurrectionists. Who are they going to tie up? Second, if, I don't know if you've ever been to the Capitol, but I've been to the Capitol. It's, the layout is confusing. And yet they knew exactly where to go. Pre-planning on your part. Okay. Who told them? How did they find that out? 
right? And they seem to be able to know enough to go around in uh, two different directions to surround the congressional chamber. That they okay. did it fast enough that there was still Congress people in there. You have to, if you're a fictional writer, you have to explain how they know that. We need to see that planning chapter. We need to know that they can do it or else you say anyone who's been on that door says there's no way. They, you know, you can't even find a bathroom in there easily. <laughs> now think of it. These people found Pelosi's office. They found, they found the Republicans' office and the Democrats' office and left live working pipe bombs there. You know and I know the rule. If you, in, if you introduce a gun in Act 1, it better go off. Uh-huh. These, the uh, people, the, the uh, military police who eventually got in there and found that were able to disarm and, 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 and not have those detonate. If these were just people who went to a rally, why did they have those? Mm -hmm. Similarly, why did one guy have several Molotov cocktails? There's only one use for a Molotov cocktail. That's true, and it's not a barbecue. It's not to wish people happy birthday. Yep. So if, if these things are happening, you have to pay them off. You have to explain them as a fiction writer. And as a journalist, you should be hopping down and burning up your phone trying to get these answers. Um... Two more questions. Why were some armed? The Capitol is not an open carry. It's not. And then, if we're going to be a little more cynical about it, why weren't there people in place to check for arms? To check for, you know, if there's a big rally there, you have to be ready for anything. These cops... You know, again, you review, and the cops are starting to explain that we just gave up ground, gave up ground because of overwhelming numbers. They did that for 20 minutes or so, you know, and, and until they were in the building, you know. Mm -hmm. Where is every cop in the city? Where's the fire department? The fire department could have just hosed these people. It was freezing out. So as a story, if you're going to do the story, you have to ask them. It was too easy. It seems like a hole in the story. Same thing with a journalist. And then there's a matter of dialogue. Last question. The writer, if we're going to look at this as a fictional book, the writer has people in the crowd saying, now we're in charge. In charge of what? In charge of the country? In charge of the building? In charge of... Mm -hmm. What do you... If you're going to say it, you have to be responsible for it. It has to contribute to the story. It has to pay off. So, as a fiction work, it needs... It, it, it needs to... It needs several more chapters explaining all that, right? And as a dark piece of our history... Journalists got to be working overtime this weekend, you know, and like some of the people have already been arrested and may comes out, you know, uh, there is an interesting twist uh, that happened over the last couple of days. Um, the guy who sat in at the desk in Pelosi's office, I imagine it to be Pelosi's desk and who took a piece of her mail, um, which he got stolen. <laughs> he got in charge with the stolen property, among other things. Right. Uh, he's arrested, and he's in. And and since he's been arrested, the person who we have on videotape saying, walk down there and be strong and show them, save our country, he's turned around and condemned all of them. Okay, it was a written uh, uh, statement that, uh, you know, he... Maybe they someone had a, a gun to his dog, or so he doesn't have. Thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking somewhere right. off camera. They, they yeah. the bond, and, and unless of course that um, line of communication they seem to have, because 
there's rumblings that invitations went out to all these people from as far away as Alaska. If that's true and you're writing the book, there's got to be early chapters showing that. Mm. If that's reality and you're a journalist, you got to track that down. And if you're an investigator, you're sitting across from a, a, a table from that guy from Pelosi's office playing him that speech and saying, okay, your guy abandoned you. And here's the time you're facing. We have you on tape. We have the picture of you holding this up. Hopefully they still found it. Maybe he had it up in his living room when they arrested him. I don't know. This is in Arkansas. They have him dead to rights. Maybe he starts talking and explain these holes, you know, but there's just seems to be much more story. If someone handed that to me, I'd say you got half the novel. Go write the rest of the novel and answer these questions. And if I was an editor in a newspaper, there would be a team of people on this. This is the most important story. I mean, the pandemic is horrifying. Yes. 9-11 was horrifying. Watergate was earth-shaking. This was an invasion. One of the foundational places in our country during one of the longest traditions of our country. You, we, we, our country is at peril unless we resolve this. So let's let's talk about uh, there's a number of things that you mentioned here, and again, um, from the storytelling point of view, as a, as well as we all know that this is reality we're discussing, but from the storytelling point of view, uh, when I talk about mysteries, when I talk about suspense thrillers, and and how one builds one of those, there are a number of key things we talk about. We usually talk about the plot. First, you know, the idea for the story and the plotting out of that story. So that means you come up with a scenario and a, and a combination of characters and an event that's going to take place and a resolution or a climax and an ending that's going to occur. So we have a scenario and one could look at this from the standpoint of the incident itself and focus on that. Maybe that's a TV movie. So we're going to eventually, you know, the, the Wednesday incident is the thing that this is predominantly about. And we'll give a little bit of the buildup that brought us to that point, focus primarily on what happened that day and then how it ended. That's very much like they did with the, uh, the bombing in Boston and a few other uh, specific situations that have happened in the country over the years. Or we could make it more of a political thriller and go back further and look at the years that it took to build up to this particular climactic moment and approach it from that and look at all the players and things involved. But either way, we're looking at coming up with a plot, storyline, developing that, and then we're looking at characters, lead characters as well as supporting characters. And when you talk characters, you have to talk not only about their outer appearance and maybe some of their background. Now, you and I have, in a number of episodes, have talked about character biographies, really understanding where people are coming from, where they were born, how they were raised, their, their, their belief systems, all of that, and key to any action that most human beings get involved in, especially in storytelling, is their motivation. Mm -hmm. We definitely want to know their goals. Okay, he wants to be rich. Fine. What's his motivation for getting him there? How much does he want? How badly does he want it? What is he willing to do to get it? The motivation becomes a fuel that fires that rocket. So we have to look at the characters and why did they do what they do? What brought them to this point? And there's a lot of characters to look at if we look at this. But if we focus in on just a few, well, let's look at the people who set it up, the people who yeah. organize it, who benefits from it. And right. then look at some of the people that are affected by it. That would be supporting characters. Okay. Now, you mentioned several other aspects. I'm, I'm just going to go through this quickly. I mentioned several other aspects. You mentioned about um, how did they get through the building so efficiently? How did they, you know, plant the bombs, you know, which were active uh, working bombs? Luckily, they were diffused. Of course, my question in my head went, what was their plan for the bombs? Because they took over the buildings. If the bombs were active, they must have been set on timers or something or some sort of right. capability. It didn't go off while they were there. 
they were there for a while. It's not like they raced in, planted them, and rushed out. So what was the plan for them? You know, that becomes a question. What was their purpose? What is the goal there? Uh, and then, um, you know, finally, like we were talking about payoffs, ramifications. Every action has an opposite reaction. Every every act that we pull, there there has to be some sort of... Uh, we, we pay for our actions. We pay for our decisions. Uh, it is interesting to see how many people do pay for what happened and what kind of payment is, is, is acted upon them. What, what is it that the law and the Constitution is going to demand? What will be the dance of the power players involved? What will be the dance of the people? And, and here's where I get interested. I mean, we are always attracted to the power players, the money people, the people on high the puppet makers, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what happened on the street that day involved common folk. You know, sure. whether I agree with them or not, those are the, the middle, blue-collar, whatever. These are not power players that were on those streets. These are those folks that, in an audience or in a bookshop buying, these are the people that would be buying the books going to see the movie. These are the people who have families or friends or have jobs that we, the audience, other audience members could theoretically connect to. How is this impacting them? What did it take to get them to the point? What did it take to make them feel they could do this? And then the last thing I'll say is, because this is one of the things you and I always talk about, what ifs. Right. Would this story have played out the same way if those had been people of color on that street? doing this particular action would it have been different in any way shape or form and many people have already commented real life on what their belief is how that would have gone and that's everything from again common folk to news commentators to a number of politicians and heavy duties so and i think it would have been a bloodbath yeah and again when people oh you're just imagining that well one one only has to turn around and look backwards just a few weeks or months And you get that, sense yeah. of that scenario. So, but, but I, in, I think, in defense, though, yeah, a couple of months ago, when it was Black Lives Matter, they were on the street. They were in the the areas where they had gotten their license for. They were not crashing the barriers and going into an off limits place during a congressional session. That had historical relevance. Mm-hmm. So let's, I don't want to equate Black Lives Matter with these people who did this. Because the difference is huge. It, I mean, they didn't. They, they didn't break the law. They got heads broken, but they didn't break the law. These so, guys broke the on live international television. They clearly broke the law. And again, and, storytellers as journalists, this story will be told. You know, whether it's a fictional piece or a biographical piece or the news, this story will be told. And it becomes the question of how will it be told? Because the other thing that we have to keep in mind is the perversion of the word truth. Um, When you tell somebody exactly what happened at a given situation and there is recorded documentation to back that up and all it takes is for someone to say, no, it didn't. To, no. just to, to, to suddenly devalue that, then it does break faith. What, what do we have to hold on to? So a storyteller's accuracy. All right. You know, well, you have that. You already have that having happened, right? They ine- immediately started saying it wasn't Trump supporters. They were uh, Democrats disguised as Trump supporters. It was this uh, nebulous Antifa they're talking about. Even though video evidence and photographic evidence identified uh, the 
QAnon shaman and uh, um, Proud Boys, uh, the Proud Boy president from Hawaii, and uh, the guy in Pelosi's office was a, uh, a gun rights advocate. Um, these, they're, they're not, they don't, right? And then if you came to me with that, you being general, not you, uh, as an editor, I would say, and how would people believe that? What is the, what would be to the Democrats or anyone's uh, 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 benefit to stop a process that would gain them something they've been trying to get for years? It wouldn't hold water. That would, I would add, again, it would be gone back to a rewrite. You mentioned something. So wait a minute, let, me, let me just make sure I clarify. What I, I, I read say what you're saying. So you're saying that it would not make sense from a storytelling standpoint or any other for Democrats to do to fake this riot or this this storming of the building because it would absolutely work in reverse. It would ruin what they theoretically were striving for. If so they were successful, sure. Jive. If they were successful, sure. Yeah, the, the motivation doesn't jive. Okay. It, 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 I mean, you can't justify that. And there are, there are elected officials who are trying to position themselves to run for the next president on those things. I can't see how that's going to work for them in the long run either. Um, you also mentioned that um, there were regular folk there. I think that's an interesting story point. You know, you can't have 100 protagonists. Um, even Tolkien couldn't manage that. <laughs> right? So uh, if you look at it, there are some people who are more aggressive. There are some people who were equipped differently. Mm. The guy with the uh, Molotov cocktails, the people with the pipe bombs, the people who were leading the crowds and knew exactly where to go, the guy who knew where to sit, uh, where Pelosi's office. Pelosi's office is not easy to find, you know. We, we would want to know, one, how they knew what they knew, but also, and this is whether you're a journalist or whether you're a story, I'd want to have at least one character who was among the sheep who had gone there because it was a rally, had gone there because uh, the news bubble that she was in or he was in um, made them believe that this was really a way to save America and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then I'd want to know that person's reaction when the doors started getting knocked down, where the cop was crushed, where people were hit over their heads, cops were hit over the heads with pipes. Uh, this is, you know, Republicans are supposed to be so pro-police. This does not jive with that regular folk per, uh, perception of right and wrong. How many of those people turned around and said, this is not us, I'm, we're, not, we're out of here, you know? Mm -hmm. There's a fascinating crowd scene in the, um, uh, amongst the, the most used footage where everyone is surging forward and they're pushing the cops back inside, you know, heading towards uh, the hallways that go to the uh, uh, the con congressional uh, hall, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. um, and there's one guy who has picked up, bodily picked up a woman who is, who is resisting him. And he's talking to her and they're going the other way. They're going back out. That's the story. I'd like to find those two people, and I'd like to hear that story. What happened? What made him turn them around? Mm. And what were they thinking? And, 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 you know, what was that about? You know, Did here's... He, the, you know? Uh, no, no, I'm just going to say, here, here's another end of that, that aspect, too. And again, you know, folks, there's no, there's no uh, prestidigitation here. There's no sleight of hand. We are definitely talking about what happened on Wednesday and mindsets and things and, and suspicions and things that, that are real. But we are also couching them in this forum because literally this is a story. Tell the damn story. It <laughs> is. It is a story. And so when you are telling a story, again, whether you're doing it in relaying real-life events accurately for or, and, and hopefully impartially if that's your job, um, so that the public can get the information. 
one of the questions is, you know, really goes back to motivation. And I look at this and, you know, it's, it's, I understand that political parties aside, there have been a lot of changes in the past 20, 30 years that have affected what we would consider the average American, black, white, male, female, doesn't matter. Jobs are not as plentiful. Corporations have, have bought out this and bought out that and shut down this and shut down that. And there are people across the country who are afraid they will not be able to feed their families or themselves or keep right. their homes and all of these. It's, those fears are real. Mm -hmm. They are real. And I can understand when you get that scared, when you get that angry, that frustrated, and things look hopeless, that that makes you open to suggestion. And one would hope that you get real information and usable information, things that are going to actually help you rebuild your life. But there's also, and history is full of this, and fiction is full of this, there's also the medicine men, the charlatans, the, the, the hate whisperers, whatever you want to call them, and they will use that. So we can have within the body of supporting characters, people who really did buy into this 101% because they truly believe that the, their vision of America, that promise that was made to them, maybe to their, their, their ancestors, has been taken from them. They have no hope, period. And this is your way out. You know, the, the lie can come from so many different sources and then can be placed in so many different ways. And, and good and bad can blur. Right. Comes a question of where do you draw the line as a human being? And so that's another level of a story that one can explore when they're looking at monumental events like this uh, for the sake of, of, again, articles or for the sake of a fictional piece. I, yeah, I'll just throw out quickly um, for those who are thinking, oh, yeah, but yeah, how could you do things? There are so many movies <laughs> that I'm thinking about here uh, where, you know, the major, like the White House even was attacked and all that. And it's usually the others. It's usually someone outside of our country or it's a terrorist organization that has, you know, what one might consider the, you know, again, some sort of global uh, agenda. But this is very homespun. This is very, very real in terms of people that you might know next door feeling that they needed to do this. And I think it's, again, going forward, we need to look at the kind of material that is out there already and the kind of material that's being shared now and look for truth. And, and I don't mean your comfortable truth. I mean look for real truth and then make sort of decisions from that. You know? right. Well, I, I, you know, I want to see three or four or five books. I want to see three or four multi-part docu documentary miniseries, you know. I want to see this from the race perspective, you know, take it back to b before the summer. Mm -hmm. you know, take it to before George Floyd, lead up to George Floyd, then the rallies and how they were treated and all that stuff. And then in the background of that, this other thing building, you know, um, there's going to be so much to say on that. Then I want to see, you know, this just focus on the idea, how it was executed, how it was developed, executed, spread, you know, mm -hmm. spread and then executed and how it got away from everybody. I don't what I want to know, and and you'll never get it because the antagonist or in in this is, is not someone who can speak coherently about these motivations. But I want to know what they thought was the outcome. Because if you look at this and you put all the parts together, pipe bombs, Molotov cocktails, zip ties. Quickly moving to surround Congress while the vice president who was in there. There's a scenario where you can see that the ultimate plan of at least some of those people was fatalities, enough fatalities.
where Congress couldn't continue and the vice president couldn't continue and someone couldn't declare themselves the winner or, you know, for the good of the nation has to continue leading. And if that is what really was behind all this. Well, you know, again, you know, you know, whether it's someone we're talking in terms of fiction or whether we're turning talking in terms of journalism. Yeah, that's I don't don't even know if we're ready to handle that dark of a truth. So now now I'm going to have to quote um, uh, a line from a few good men. You couldn't handle the truth. I mean, because, you know, once again, there are people who feel justified and motivated to do things that others of us would not consider even ethical or or excusable in any way, shape or form. And yet, that's out And while it's making my brain hurt, I'll go with your question or your quote. You couldn't handle the truth from Aaron Sarkin's or a few good men. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's set in a time where communication was much more primitive than it is now. And I'll meet your quote and raise you, uh, the truth is out there. (laughs) It's too late. We all saw, we saw this happen. We need to know why. Okay. You can't brush this under the rug. You can't. Let's throw another word out there. Spend. Sure, there's going to be a ton of spin, and they've already tried some of the spin. But the first wave of spin was ludicrous. Oh, it was the Democrats. Get the come on. Why? Why was it the Democrats? Oh, it was Antifa. Show proof. We have been saying we as America has been saying two completely different things, and it has come to the point where now five people are dead. And at the cornerstone of our country, our government, has been breached and uh, desecrated. There has to be a truth. There has to be. And one of the truths is that that happened. Mm -hmm. So we have to find who's accountable for that and hold them accountable. Or, let's just start to say now, you know, these people left they went in their cars, they went on trains, they went in airplanes, they went back to their different states. This guy who was arrested uh, for sitting in Pelosi's office, he was, he was arrested in Arkansas. They're all back across. So if they see this as a win and they don't agree with the local mayor or the local city council, they already know what they can do. Or that you know, remember they were threatening the Michigan governor's uh, uh, life. They already know how to do this now. They've already been empowered, and that's truly what's at stake. So let me let me take this now to the the last part of what we were we were talking about uh, a little Good, bit because I was going to give myself a heart attack here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and again. The most outrageous stories about Independence Day, aliens landing and all this stuff, you know, all of these things raise the blood pressure or lower the blood pressure, depending on what you're into. But they all work with the same basic principle, motivations, character, plot, planning, you know, the end goal, the end game. And good storytellers have told real stories through fantastic means for generations. You know, you can tell... It's a societal story through science fiction or whatever. You did something just a few short years ago. You wrote a book. Came out about three and a half years ago. Yeah, a few short years ago, three and a half, right, called A Simple Rebellion. And you started the project, you started writing it back at the beginning of of the, uh, right after the elections. And you moved forward with that, you published it, and you mentioned to me that and, and those of us who read it, we know that one, the, the last scene or one of the last scenes in the book, wow. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it's been sort of playing out the way you wrote it might go. But the last scene, wow. I mean, how good are you? So you just said to me, in looking at 
what happened Wednesday, it has now forced you to, to think about whether or not you need to take the book off the market and rewrite the last scene as not to be associated with what we saw that was so disturbing to us. Can you, can you talk about that? I mean, yeah. as an artist? The premise of The Simple Rebellion was that I felt really deeply in my heart that I wanted to express the question, what if this divisiveness that is going on in America, what if it continues? Where does it take us? And this was actually, I published it three and a half years ago, but I was writing it, I guess, during the campaign. Mm -hmm. So it was before any of the shenanigans and real wildness started happening. Um, and it, so I, I set the story in a slightly future America, uh, two or three, uh, presidents after 45. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was no longer the United States of America. It was just the States of America and it was shattered. You know, California had quit, you know, they were their own sovereign country and there were just sections and all that sort of stuff that had. A couple of states stay together. A couple of other states stay together. Um, and all of the things that we see going on now, I amped up to 100. You know, um, the derision towards alternate lifestyles. Gay people were now openly hunted. Mm. Um, racism. In the Midwest, they had taken an entire community and put them in a processing camp to make sure they weren't um, uh, terrorists. The entire black, you know, people of color community. And um, that whole story is, is going on. And um, as a, a, a widowed former beloved comedian who had dropped out of the, the, the industry and um, late night talk shows looking for, you know, viewer shares, trick them into an interview. And he responds by saying this comment that is misinterpreted by a good portion of America. And they kind of go on strike. This simple rebellion is kind of they've had it right and it escalates. All of that escalates. How you would attack. How we now attack anyone who disagrees with us. They become from beloved to an animal. A terrorist. This And back and forth. And eventually it winds up in D.C. at a rally where the, the comedian who has kind of refound his life been forced to refine his life, speaks to them all, raising their hands so they know no one's armed and walking. I said, we can even do a monkey walk, you know, where the legs go out so they know there's no weapons in there. And we're going to walk and we're going we're gonna to get up to the Capitol. We're going to get up to the president. And we're going to say together, you're fired. And uh, they were doing this right outside the Capitol building. And outside. Right. And something horrible happens to the hero. And the entire huge crowd turns and walks towards the Capitol. This line, as it stands now, I'm spoiling my own book. Uh, the last line is, you know, the, uh, the uh, I guess it was the military or the police, uh, you know, had were the only ones with guns, but they didn't have enough bullets for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was about we're, you know, we've had enough. We're going to take over. So I said to you, uh, you know, part of my experience on Wednesday was, oh, my God, the nightmare inversion of the end of that book is happening before my eyes. It was such heartbreak. Um, and I feel like I don't want to be interpreted as selfish for thinking that. It wasn't my first thought. It was my fifth thought. My 38th thought. It was 38th. Um <laughs> It was, he counted. <laughs> 37 was, I need some water. And then yeah. 38. Um, I was saying to you, I need to change that ending now because 
history will forever remember people moving on the Capitol as this horrible event. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't do a story and, you know, set in the early 80s and have the Twin Towers there without it evoking 9-11. You just can't. Mm. You know, if you see an old movie and they're doing one of those aerial shots of New York as they're coming in to open the story and the Twin Towers are there, everybody gets knocked out of the story for a second and says, oh, you know, it, it is. And I gave you another example. It's, you know, okay, we're going to do a Christmas story, nice, friendly Christmas story. Family's going to the mall to see Santa, and they have a brand-new Santa, and Santa is David Berkowitz. Yeah, well, however many reforms he went through, you know, saw God or whatever, you cannot continue with that family holly jolly feel once you say that name. Mm-hmm. Or Charles Manson. It's Santa Manson. You know, you yeah. weird hat Nazi swastika. Yeah, it's the story is now weighted by the reality of that moment. So the reality of this moment undoes the message of this novel, which was the madness has to stop. It has to stop. We cannot continue being divided. And you disagree. Not You don't disagree with the division. You disagree with my uh, notion that I have to rewrite the end. I, I, I love to hear what you have to say, sir. Yeah, yes, well, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to convince you of anything. I will just say that my, my problem with that is the reality that, yes, Wednesday happened, and, and we've already talked about how I feel about it, how you feel about it, and, and things that others may, may feel about it. The, the sense of what the message that you were trying to say with your story, that ending in particular, it resonated with, with me and with some people I know who read the book, some other people I know that read the book. And, and those people. It is, yeah, all, all, yeah, all, all, all of them, yes. And all four. Thank you. And what I knew you were going to go there, which is why I stopped myself, but I always didn't stop fast enough. No, it was pretty. The, the good. thing is, it becomes, it becomes It's like it's like Orwell suddenly deciding that with all this, with all the cameras and things around us now. Damn it! When I wrote '84, I was, I was, I was just hinting at this and figuring. But now that they've really done this, maybe I should change the ending. It's like. No, because he was proving it true. Right, and you're, this, you're, you're, this disproves my theory. It, well, it only disproves your theory because oh, of the group that got there first. Yes, so I have to be better than the group that got us first. I believe I can be. I can rebuild it. Yeah, fast. We have the technology. <laughs> it, it, my, question, you, my question, again, because it's not really my job to change your mind so much as to question the process, I How value you, you get greatly you wrote, you wrote from the heart, and again, you wrote so well that so much of what you predicted through the fiction, but doing your homework and all that, projecting forward, so much of what you put into that book has happened. How do you convey the same message at the end of the book? But you have to change it now because of what reality has done. That becomes well, how do you how do, do you think that? I do have an idea. Ask me when I got it. When did you get it? While you were asking me the question. <laughs> and it would be not so much subtracting, but adding. It would probably require um Maybe two or three chapters. Mm. Because a, a what if, if it went horrendously wrong, not mm. what the hero wanted, how, how do I do that? And I have, um, I have a way. Um, I have to work it out. Okay. But, you know, ironically, uh, Tina's cousin, she read it 
uh, I guess about a year into goddess, it released. The goddess, yes, the goddess. Yeah. Um, and the woman had said, you know, the ending was a little abrupt for me. I wanted to know about two or three more chapters uh, uh, information, which is like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, that's really where the story ends. But um, now that this has happened, and now that we've talked this through, mm. I always try to approach um, editorial commentary with not know it's wrong, but how can I use that? How can how can I improve the story? So you're talking and talking, and I'm like, well, maybe not subtracting that. What if you were, if we were to, you know, embrace it and even go there, you know, where um, not as insidious as I think we're going to find out about this thing. But if if they did get too crazy, and they went running, mm. and I have an idea where I, it could, it's it's a tightrope walk. But you know, all decent stories should be. Um, but I have a I have a, a way. I think. Stay tuned. Yeah. But uh, we might also get you know. I also get some feedback from people if they want to uh, yeah, write I mean, it. That's, you know, a lot of that, you know, reminds me of, of, you know, people who, and I'm saying you're trying to do this, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you hear people saying that a, a historical event that happened has been documented, blah, 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 blah. Now that it doesn't look good. Oh, that never happened. It's like, we're going to change. We're almost like we're rewriting history or rewriting this, the, this would be leaning into. Yeah. You know, right. I think I think because sometimes it's about admitting that a thing occurred and what and who and what was responsible for that and then being able to discuss that dialogue about that and build or move forward and 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 do better. You know, I think sometimes it's like it's the whole thing about not wanting to discuss race or racism or slavery. Well, if you discuss it and you really have communicative, you know, exchanges about it. Maybe we can move on. Maybe we can grow from that as opposed to constantly trying to shove it under the rug and then tripping over that. So I think, you know, I think, yeah, how you're looking at the possible means of handling this is, is intriguing. And I'm, I'm curious to see what you come up with. Well, the idea I have now is, um, you know, don't, what's, don't what tell you have- I'm not going to tell you, but Good. you know when you know you have an idea that is is um, got potential is where you know there's the part of you that wants to write is energized, but then the pit of your stomach is like, oh, what if it doesn't work, right? And that's that's where you got to That's that's the that's yep. the moment, right? That's the that's where the juice is. That's when you so, do the high dive. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to, and I always tell my, you know, my writing students, it's, you know, it's on a screen. At most at this time, you might print it out. You're not chiseling it in stone. Yeah. So I can write what I think should be the new ending now and then look at it or even get a, you know, a couple of trusted uh, uh, brothers like you, you know, who we've gone through. St- Two, three decades of storytelling together. You know, if your if your opinion, if I can't trust your opinion by now, what the hell's going on with me? Well, you know, it's um, going to be my honest opinion. Yeah. So you know, you might you might get an email, dear Alex. <laughs> if you don't, if you're not too busy, could you read these three chapters? <laughs> yes, and by the Meanwhile, way, I have if, your dog. <laughs> yeah, if people think. Uh, I am way wrong if they think that I'm, you know, committing some uh, literary murder, <laughs> or, or if they, or if they agree with me, if they think the weight of this moment must be addressed, you know, then let's hear some comments because, man, I'm I'm very inspired uh, to hear feedback. Yeah, and and just and we're almost on the hour. Just just in sort of you know bringing this around to, uh, uh, you know, tying it off at the end. 
you know, we've spent the past year, we've spent a lot of 2020 uh, talking about not only storytelling, but also how to tackle and whether or not you should tackle like the pandemic, COVID-19, uh, and not make it, oh, the, a terrible disease has struck, we're all dying. But what are the different ways of approaching telling a story in this particular climate or environment? And I think, again, here we are and we're discussing telling a story in this dangerous and political uh, you know, uh, environment and, and based on incidents that have occurred. Uh, and there are a million ways to tell that story from the event of that day itself, as we've discussed, but also the ramifications to the common people as well as the higher ups uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, and, and Will Eisner, I'll just quickly say this, Will Eisner, uh, who's a, a, a graphic novel and comic artist uh, back in the day, uh, did a number of wonderful stories. The. Excuse me? The. The. The, yeah, but he... Uh, he broke a lot of ground. He broke a lot of ground. And one of the things he did, which is what I was, I was pointing at, he had a, a comic book hero character called the Saint. I'm it's not the Saint. I'm sorry. The Spirit. The Spirit. And yeah, the stories about the Spirit fighting crime were the the leads much of the time. But a lot of time, the Spirit was an incidental character in the background, barely seen if seen at all. And the story was really about the characters going through that difficult period. The the thief who's about to commit the crime or he committed the crime and knows he's cornered and he's made a mistake and it's his last few minutes on earth. So we can see, you know, incidents like this as a springboard yep. to another aspect of the story. You know, how did this impact on, or who did it impact on? For instance, some of the people who got back home changed by what had happened. What was right. that change, you know? So these are things that we can look at going forward. And um, he I, also, yeah, tying into this, uh, he also created some characters that that stand up well today. Yeah, yeah, right. And they existed long enough for that to be historical uh, um, reality. Yeah. The difference, I think, with with a simple rebellion. Uh, is that it's still fresh enough and independently published uh, where you have an opportunity to make a greater comment or, mm. or, 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 or a statement, hopefully, hopefully. Um, now that the world has taken this, or the country anyway, has taken this dark turn, right? well, what do you do to reemphasize you know, well, what do I do to reemphasize the, the the message that was so strong in me that it made me write an entire book? You know, it's it's not like sitting down to do the crossword. You know, you know, and I know that a book is a journey and a half. Yeah, and yeah. it takes a piece of your soul. Yeah, and, so and I'm defending my soul. <laughs> the research had an impact on you that it took you a while to shake off too. So yeah. yeah yeah. So anyway, that's where we are with with, you know, looking back on what happened this week and looking at 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 creativity and storytelling and writing and telling the damn story. Uh, let us hear where you are about it, uh, you know, through the comments, through email. Let us know and we will comment on it. Uh, you know, we'll mention it, bring it up in the next episode. I would also like to mention going out that uh, Chris and I are going to get really bold and daring. And well, uh, one, Before you say that, stay tuned to find out how I retell the story. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, that story, i got to tell it again. Um, yes, this is very true. Let, I, I'm curious, maybe you can sort of take us along on the journey as, as you do work on it. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say is, and maybe this is when this will come up, is in February, Chris and I are going to go Facebook Live um, and we're gonna, you're going to be actually able to see us. Oh, my God, they're so handsome. Uh, as we tackle some more storytelling uh, traps and trips and, and tips and techniques and all that. And so we'll be actually Facebook Live in the month of February. Um, but you'll get more information on that as it goes. 
and you'll even get uh, we'll even have a couple of uh, guest uh, uh, guest interview guest artists who will be joining us. So you know, start start putting pencils in Sundays. You know, Sundays on Facebook uh, in February are going to be very different for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All but right. About more of that as we get there. So again, Chris, always super super duper. Yeah, you too, brother. This was an exhausting episode, but <laughs> well, you got some guys on the bookshelf behind you. I see that you can you can go over it with them. You know, you got, uh, you got it, it, Breslin, Pete Hamill, Carlin. yeah, George Carlin, Pete Hamill, Jimmy Breslin, and then of course to kind of comment on what's going on now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Bronx is burning. 1977 baseball politics and the battle for the soul of the city. Silent coup, the removal of a president. Don't know why that one's up. Uh, and then all the president's men. Right, right. Yeah. So either way, uh, much, 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 much uh, good, good luck to you. Good day to you. Good, good, good vibes. Good creative vibes as you go forth to tackle, you know, um, a simple rebellion again. And everybody, take care. Be well. Be safe. And we'll see you uh, next week. Chris, take care. Peace.